Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to Marvel's The Pull List for comics and, yeah, it's comics. Yeah. Coming out on March 21st, 2018. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M, joined by Marvel.com assistant editor Tucker Marcus. Yeah, we did it. We did it. One more week. We're still alive. Oh, yeah. How about that? Uh, well, I, I mean, given what uh, went down in some comics this week, I, you know, I'm lucky to count, you know, my stars again. That's how that phrase goes. Yeah, count your stars and garters. Yes, I brought it back to comics and brand. Yep, uh, we've got a bunch of books out this week, so we're gonna dive in. But first, just reminding you, Marvel's The Pull List is all about the books that are out every week. The new issues, print, digital, single issues, collections. Uh, uh, that, yeah, that really runs the gamut. Of yeah, it. yeah, it does. It's digital and print. Yeah, that's what we do. So many good comics, but uh, we're going to talk about those plus the backlist stuff that's being added to Marvel Unlimited, mm -hmm. as well as the Marvel Comics app. There's some good choices to come at the end of the show, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more in depth about a couple of books on this week at Marvel later in the week. One of which Tucker switched while we oh. were sitting down to record. It was like a last minute yeah. alley oop through the legs, baby. It was dramatic. It was like if you've ever seen like a like a, a news like room in a movie then there's like late breaking news people are running around like throwing papers in the air and like get new york on the line get dc on the line it was basically like that Why are people the were freaking out the newsrooms are just like just generally calling different cities yeah okay yeah, 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 got it so we're it. in los we're setting this in los angeles i assume yes got it i look this is good we're figuring out where this is all set but actually we are at marvel headquarters in new york city recording this i'm gonna dive in because we do have a bunch of books out this week first up is amazing spider-man renew your vows number 17 this one is written by jody hauser it is part two of Fast Times at Midtown High, art by Nathan Stockman, colors by Ruth Redman, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Is this the second arc by this team? I where, believe you know, so. That sounds right. Yeah. With the, you know, teenager Annie Mae and she's in Midtown High and she's growing up. We've got Peter and MJ as parents. And I, I really love the the different levels of Annie we get to see from Jody's writing. It's, mm -hmm. You've got like the angsty teen. Do you say angst or angst? <laughs> oh, now I say angst. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Angst it is. Yeah. Uh, the angsty teen, the the superhero kid who, who just wants more out of life. Mm -hmm. The Parker kid. So, you know, she's got her bit of that Peter Parker-iness. Also a little bit of Mary Jane-ness, but I, I feel like she's more like widgy peter parker -y, right 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 i like i like and and also she's a veteran superhero she's mm -hmm. been doing this for at this point like 10 years yeah uh, so she's like a veteran hero who's struggling with how to deal with these new kids in her school who have powers so mm -hmm. you've got all these different layers for her which is so good jody's ability to nail that teen voice so well complimented by ya boy nathan stockman mm -hmm. and the way he draws kids i love everything he does he's one he's a sweetheart two He's a wonderful Irishman. Three, he's a sweetheart. Uh, four, he loves Dragon Ball. We talk about Dragon Ball on Twitter nice. every once in a while. Or he just like tweets about it and makes me happy. Someone was going around this week posting some pages about why they love Peter Parker. And it was from issue of Spidey. Yeah, Spidey was a series we put out for like a year and change. Robbie Thompson wrote it. And Nathan drew a bunch of issues from it. And he has this ability to draw teen superheroes mm -hmm. and teen mm -hmm. characters so well. Like He draws everything great, but like when he... He's drawing the teens. They feel like teenagers, which is an important thing. You don't want just a smaller human. Right. Yeah, yeah, completely. I, I really like this story. I like where this arc is going because it feels like 
this team's first arc was about setting up that family dynamic and mm-hmm. getting us, you know, getting us familiar with, you know, how they all interact with each other in this time period. And it seems like we're now kind of honing in on Annie Mae in a really, really fun way that kind of puts her at center stage. Certainly MJ and Peter have a huge part to play in that and in her relationship to them. But it's really kind of focusing in on her perspective of like the superhero life. Uh, and I love that mix with the kind of everyday teen high school stuff. Yeah, totally. It's 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 solid as heck. First up for me is Avengers No Surrender. This is part 11. Gosh. Wow. It's crazy. It's three months almost. Yeah. We would be celebrating our anniversary. Were we high school children dating? <laughs> like it's right. at that right. point. You right. know, like we're, that, yes, that's you got thing. like, did you get me a clattering? A or what? How, clattering. No, but I got you a, a, you know what a slap is? bracelet. Oh. <laughs> is that what they're called? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is issue 685 of Avengers, and it's written by Jim Zub, Mark Wade, and Al Ewing. Pencils by Paco Medina, inks by Juan Velasco, colors by Jesus Albertov, and letters by Corey Petit. In the last issue, the Hulk kind of re-entered the game. Banner Hulk came back, the immortal Hulk, uh, as he's now billed. And as you would kind of expect, he's changed the game completely. And the Avengers and and their role and the Grandmaster's role and the Challenger's role and everyone involved, they have to respond in due course to like this, you know, kind of earth shaking presence that exists now. There's some awesome showdown stuff in here with Red Hulk and some crazy stuff goes on with him and his beautiful mustache. Mm. So uh, there's that Hulk showdown, which is so fun. We also get further and further into the Voyager's character, certainly, but more so in a really interesting way, her position between the good guys and the bad guys, the role that she plays, which I'm finding really, really interesting how she kind of since there have been more and more reveals about her character, to to be able to read her perspective informed by this new information that we're getting about her every single issue. And and it really changes. And and, and I mean, it's that's been one of the great joys of No Surrender overall is getting to grow with Voyager and getting to evolve with her perspective on things. Uh, That's been really fun to see. There's a big character reveal on the last page here, Mm. which is super fun and super exciting. Obviously, we'll not touch on that just yet, but the development continues here with uh, a lot, you know, a lot of different characters. And, you know, as with every other No Surrender issue, it's just it's rock and roll. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, I love the like we talked about it last week, the horror aspect of, of the Hulk here. And it's in this one, he's like the relentless, unstoppable like mostly silent monster. Right. You know, like if you took, you know, your your Jason Voorhees or your Michael Myers mm-hmm. and made them a Hulk, you know, right. gave them that level of fury and, and speed mm-hmm. and, and size. That's what he feels like. And yeah. It's, it's, it's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that rage is so good. Got to give big shouts to Paco Medina and Juan Vlasco. There are some beautiful spreads of Black Swan and Proxima Midnight. Totally. Or, or yeah, that wonderful last page. And there's popping purples and greens and blues. Everything is so visceral yet so poppy, mm-hmm. uh, which I absolutely love. One book that is not in our stack, Tucker, that what? you may not yet have read, but I did, is Avengers Back to Basics number two. It's another digital comicsology exclusive issue by Peter David, Brian Lovell, Jordan Boyd, and Jimmy Betancourt. So this is, again, only available from Comixology this week, uh, but it's great. It's a quirky, funny Peter David superhero comic, mm-hmm. which super, I, I always love. Like, Fenris Wolf is here. They're trying to, the you know, the good guys are trying to stop Ragnarok. Fenris Wolf shows up and he eats Hulk. 
like <laughs> there's a big chomp sound effect which is great and then hulk bursts out of him he's talking to thor and thor's like oh that seems terrible <laughs> and hulk says it was like taking a bath inside a fresh sewer mixed with vomit oh yeah very you know like i know what that feeling's like i know you do uh, <laughs> you, don't know, you don't know what i give up to on the weekends exactly <laughs> but you know it involves that yeah, and yeah. i assume it's all tucker yep <laughs> there's some loki hijinks uh fenris actually turns into a sort of man slash wolf creature with a cool spiked mace axe thing awesome and who saves the day pepper friggin pots she's awesome in here and it's it's really really good that's not really spoiling anything it's it's a cool story cool issue if you get your comics digitally should certainly check it out another book you should certainly check out is cable number 155 this one brings me back to one of my favorite runs of cable comics which is nathan and hope traveling through time being an awesome father daughter team and and you know fighting a major evil in this one uh it's different creative team from that we've got a new uh new storyline new team here this is written by zach thompson and lonnie nadler Herman Peralta is on art, Jesus Arbutav is on colors, and Travis Lanham is the letterer. Now, this was the first thing I've ever read by Zach and Lonnie. Yeah. And and I was blown away. Yeah, it, it's so good. So friggin' good. This is actually one of my picks of the week. Nice. Uh, it does have my favorite cover of the week. It is by Daniel Warren Johnson. He's been doing some really cool stuff indie work he's put out a bunch of like little mini comics uh you may have seen him do like some just star wars fan art have you ever mm. seen his star wars i art? don't think so i gotta Holy check it out crap i'll write that down it's nuts awesome. he is so talented so cool i love that we get some you know some work for him he's doing more for us on the cover front so that makes me really really excited in addition to that it's got one of my favorite panels it's just a silent panel of cable and hope, and they're hugging in the middle of a big heart-to-heart talk. The way that Herman draws their faces, their expressions, their body language, the way they they hold each other, it's it's perfect. It's yeah. it's perfect. There's a lot that I will want to talk about. We'll talk about that on this week in Marvel later in the week. Next up is Doctor Strange, Damnation number three. This is written by Donnie Cates and Nick Spencer. Art by Simon Kadransky. Colors by Dan Brown. Letters by Travis Lanham. One of my first notes that I took about this issue is that Dan Brown, man, Mm -hmm. the colors by this guy are just incredible. There are a few of my favorite panels this week. Yeah. The last bits of my notes are special shouts to colors Dan Brown because his colors are killer. Uh, Just The magic battle. That's blues, greens, reds, oranges, all the fire, blood rain, contrast. Yeah. It's so cool. There's so much. There's Mm -hmm. so much. I feel like every panel is so jam-packed here. Uh, If you're loving Donnie's Doctor Strange run, I mean, absolutely, you should be reading this because it imports a lot of the the, the goodness from that, uh, as well as expanding the story. Obviously, we know this goes alongside Doctor Strange. There is... Just throwdowns between good guys and bad guys and bad guys turn good guys and good guys turn <laughs> bad guys. If you love the contender for best for best doggy in the Marvel Universe, Ooh. Uh, just out of nowhere, Ooh. Bats, uh, he comes in here. He has a wonderful, wonderful moment that is so fun. Ooh. Um, this is this could be a contentious topic. <laughs> yeah, hey, look, all you lockjaw heads out there, bring it. What about Ms. Lyon? Do you know who do you even know who Ms. Lyon is? No. <laughs> look her up or look him up, I should say. Uh it's actually funny you mentioned that because we had an interview with Daniel Kibblesmith, who's a writer of Lockjaw, and he uh he listed off his favorite like 
pet companions in the Marvel Universe. And I believe Miss Lion might have been on that list. So go check that out on, on, uh, on Marvel.com. But anyway, there's an incredible blade fight in here uh, that is so good. I know Donnie has spoken uh, a few times, at least on social media, about like loving Blade so much and how he kind of struggled to keep Blade from taking over this book because he loves him so much. Well, I mean, the best part of it is it's Donnie and Nick channeling... Wesley Snipes is played. Yeah. Like, let's just be honest. Yeah. Like, and, and the art as well from Simon Krasinski. Yep. Like, it's the mannerisms, the quips, yeah, yeah. the like the short bursts of, of dialogue mixed in with like the fight, the sword, the look. Everything has that vibe. Yeah, and you can't help but let that take. Yeah. You want it to take yeah, over. Completely. I, if this just was like, oh, and they just crossed out the title and just wrote Blade. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm into it completely. I, and that's what's so cool about seeing kind of this generation of writers and have th- their influences and have those things inform the characters, uh, which are obviously constantly changing. They are mercurial mm. in that way. It is so much fun. This was nearly my pick of the week. I worry sometimes about picking like Doctor Strange too often because it's so good. You sat down and you said, you know what? I don't like Donnie anymore. <laughs> and you just, you threw the, the issue on the ground. This is said, blasphemy. Yeah, this no, is libel. That's not true. <laughs> this is yellow journalism. I will not have this. The last kind of final showdown is incredible. I want to touch on this. I'll write it down in my diary. I I do want to touch on this on This Week in Marvel, just that last little bit, even though this is my pick of the week, because I love it so much. And the ending quote in particular, the last line that this issue ends on, is just so fun, so badass, so dark, so Mephisto. I love this so much. Oh my, yes. Yeah. Now that you say it, I'm just like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. That devil. Yeah. Anyway, on to next issue is Incredible Hulk number seven. 14. This is the beginning of World War Hulk 2. 2. 2. Uh, it's written by Greg Pak, pencils by Carlo Barbieri, inks by Walden Wong. There is colors by Frank Darmada and a Where's Wolverine page by nasty boy of Marvel Comics, Ryan Stegman. <laughs> uh, letters in this issue by Corey Petit. It, it, it's interesting because Greg has written Hulk comics for a long time intermittently. He wrote the original Planet Hulk. He wrote the original World War Hulk. And those were about Bruce Banner and and being exiled and finding himself and then getting betrayed and the rage and coming back. World War Hulk was about him fighting and, and destroying and a whole bunch of things. It was great comics. Mm-hmm. And these, the last story was Planet Hulk 2. This is World War Hulk 2. And it's remixing it all. You know, it's like mm-hmm. taking some of those thoughts but putting a different spin on it, but you know, it's still Greg doing it. Right. So it feels cool. It feels right. And and you know, the Planet Hulk was like harkened back to the original, but it was so much about Amadeus Cho's character. Mm-hmm. And now we have this World War Hulk with Amadeus, and it's super different. We've got not necessarily got the angry raging Hulk returning to Earth, but sort of a zend out Amadeus. Yeah. You know, who's embraced the green guy. At least on the surface. Right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I like that, though. You know, it's like you're getting this vibe from him, but we're not sure. Right. You know, there's right. there's elements. And you've talked about that a bunch of times oh, yeah. on, on this it. or This Week of Marvel about how important those psychological mm-hmm. parts of the way Greg writes Amadeus Cho and the Hulk, yeah. how important that is to the character. Yeah, there's that kind of visual metaphor of who's driving the car for Amadeus. Is it Amadeus or is it the Hulk? And the Hulk essentially has chosen to lock Amadeus in the trunk and take complete control for what he thinks is the better, 
but you know it's debatable and it's so tough to 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 decide and 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 know who's right there you know kind of in his own mind but I've spoken, like you said, I've spoken many times about loving the, the visualization of that metaphor and to have just what seems like a, a new kind of story arc just to be really focused on that is like my dream. Yeah, totally. And and so th- this sort of brings us back to a previous story for Amadeus Shohok with this alien who wanted to eat people and, and using how tough that battle was to show how much tougher Amadeus is now and, and the way he uses the rage and all his maths and, and mm-hmm. all those things yeah, to, yeah. to beat this guy shows that he's leveled up, but maybe it's it's not all for the best. Right. Yeah. Right. Greg's on fire right now. So good. Next up is Iron Fist number 78. That's right. That's periodic table FE Fist number 78. It's written by Ed Brisson. I think I'm going to be sick right now. Art by Damien Cusiero. Colors by Andy Troy. Letters by Travis Lanham. This story takes place after Doctor Strange Damnation number three uh, and it's tied into Damnation. I'm loving this kind of mini event and how it's affecting these different kind of mystical kind of you know stranger powered heroes across the Marvel Universe. i just think it's it's bringing out really interesting stories in the individual books and the solo titles and this one is no different we see danny rand essentially go through hell in this story it's kind of it, it it's really interesting it's it, it it's it's kind of a one-off in, in essence for this solo title but it ties in really well to Certainly his backstory, definitely damnation and all that's going on in Las Vegas. But it is it's like a tour through hell for Danny. It's all of his nightmares come true. He's witnessing a lot. It's really tough. If you love that kind if you love the backstory of how Danny Rand became Danny Rand, of his kind of internal struggle as um this orphan as this you know this fish out of water exactly it it, it's it 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 hits all those beats in a really really interesting way from a really really great angle that takes advantage of like like we were talking about just before with mephisto and everything like that yeah it's it's crazy and some insane stuff happens but it is a it's a it's a crazy awesome dark tour through hell yeah what was cool about it to me was that this is an issue that you could pick this up because you're reading Damnation and mm-hmm. you want like side stories mm-hmm. and you get a whole lot of like the background of who Danny is that you may not know before. Like there's a bit in here with a sister, which mm-hmm. I had zero clue about. Right. And like these, these plant creatures from Kunlun. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know what you guys are all about. I, I had to look them up and yeah. do some research and stuff like that, but it was neat. And then if you are an Iron Fist fan and you're reading this and you're not reading Damnation, this might give you a sense of, Hey, Maybe I should check out Damnation because it's doing some cool yeah, things completely. for my characters. Yeah. Uh, plus, it does harken back to the Brubaker Fraction Aha run of Immortal Iron Fist with some of those characters and some of those things, especially the, the ending. The ending, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, dang. Right. Here we go. Yeah. All right. On to Iron Man Hong Kong Heroes number one. And this one, this one's neat because it's the introduction of a new armored hero, the armored hero of Hong Kong, Arwen Wong. Uh, and it's... You know, this a neat little story that's inspired by the Iron Man experience at Hong Kong Disneyland, which is kind of like Star Tours. If you've ever been to a Disneyland or world, Mm -hmm. Um, they have the Star Tours. So it's it's similar to that, but it's full of Iron Man and big Marvel action. In this issue, you get Black Panther, the Avengers, Baron Mordo, Arnim Zola, some new female heroes, one scientist, one in the armor. It's written by Howard Wong, art by Justice Wong, letters by Joe Sabino with Corey Petit. Definitely check it out, especially if you're 
You just like a good solid Iron Man story? Boom. Mm-hmm. Next is Boy Oh Boy is the next something. Wait, it, the it, next series is called Boy Oh Boy? It's called Boy Oh Boy. It is a lighthearted romp about two gentlemen who take a ride on a on a on a, a two man bicycle. <laughs> a dirigible bicycle written by Tucker Marcus. Yeah. Drawn by Tucker Marcus. Oh boy. I'm going downstairs to publishing with this when we're done. Now this is the Mighty Thor seven oh five. It's written by Jason Aaron. Art by Russell Bladerman, colors by Matt Wilson. I, I, every week we talk and we sit down and, and we talk about what we love about each book. And we go on about each book for a few minutes. I kind of think the best way to talk about this book and to get people, if they're not reading it, to pick this up is just to say there are no words to describe how good this book is. I, it is It is beyond a definition and explanation every page and every panel was my page and panel of the week this week it's just it's fire on all cylinders it is so deeply deeply emotional if you've been reading for if you've been reading this series for you know 10 issues like i have since i started or or if you've been reading jason aaron's thor series for years and years now it's going to hit home in incredible ways I know this is one of your picks of the week. Yeah, I, I like that you knew me so well. You sat down, you're like, we started talking about what our picks were before we were recording. You're like, you're, you picked Thor, right? And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. I mean, I've said it so many times now. I'm just repeating myself. But, like, this is everything comic books can be. This is the penultimate issue of this team's run on the mighty Thor. And, you know, it's just, it's it's mind-blowing. It's incredible. Yes. Yeah. Um, we will get to this more because I do have words to oh, use in describing yeah. why this book is so powerful and important uh, to me and, and special. Uh, I do want to say it's got ties for one of my favorite covers mm-hmm. of the week by Russell Dodderman and Matt Wilson. It is incredible. Mm-hmm. Just stands out as beautiful of, of Jane engulfed in flame. But you know, her, her body language, she's mm-hmm. slumped over. Oh, it's, it's so good. It has one of my favorite panels. I chose a lot of panels this week. I yeah. couldn't help it. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite panels, it's Thor pleading with Freya, Thor the um, uh, Odinson, mm-hmm. and Odin. She's pleading with them to leave Asgardia and let her battle the Mangog alone. And even though she wears a mask and her eyes are black obsidian, you can see her desperation. You know, the right. way... That, that Russell draws her expression, the coloring, everything. And in the background, bit out of focus, the Mangog is running at her. Mm-hmm. And it's just incredible. Like It made me do a double take of that right. panel. And there's a bunch of great panels in this. Like yeah. It is yeah. incredible comics. And it's still, that one stuck out at me. Yeah. It's just emotional and intense and terrifying, mm-hmm. all wrapped up in, right. in such a small space. Right. So good. Also so good this week is Monsters Unleashed number 12. This is part four of Learning Curve where, you know, Kid Kaiju is trying to connect with his with the other Kaiju. And it's written by Justin Jordan, art by Alberto Albuquerque, colors by Chris Sotomayor, VCs Tranum Lanham on letters. And so each, uh, each issue in this arc, we've sort of gone through Kid Kaiju connecting with the different kaiju on his team from Aegis to Makara, Scrag, and now he's trying to connect with Haivo and Slizik, two of the kaiju that he, he can't communicate with. He doesn't un- they don't understand each other, or at least he doesn't understand what they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. They make sounds and whatnot, but it doesn't work. So what does he do? He goes to the smartest person in the universe, Lunella. Lunella Lafayette goes to the Big Apple to see her and basically says, hey, you're smart. 
can you make me a translator? And it's basically like, easy. She does it while they're having a picnic. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, one of my favorite things is this panel, this page of Devil Dinosaur frolicking with Slizik and Hivo in Central Park. Mm-hmm. It just makes me happy. I love big monsters. I love this book. I love Devil Dinosaur. And so this this is happening. But it ends up having a weird twist where it becomes this like anime battle type book where uh, a new character comes in this big giant trio of robots saying and the middle one's like i'm miss mech and i'm gonna stop you evildoers and it's it's great and kai's like why does she talk like she's on a cartoon (laughs) and all these little bits and pieces it's really funny really it's really smart too because you you find out like they use their wits kai and lunella use their brains to figure things out i also like the way that Lunella is is done because she's just fed up. She is not having any nonsense, mm-hmm. which is very true to her character. And Kai's like, ah, <laughs> you know, it's it's good. It's full of heart. There's funny moments. We get this introduction of a cool new inhuman who has essentially the power to create Evangelion mechs. Yeah, uh, you know, like these giant mechs, and that's a cool power. And and them coming together and monsters. I think this is the last issue. It's been a, a really great run, so I, and I've loved this arc. So definitely check out these last four issues. Absolutely, Miss Marvel number twenty-eight is written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Nico Leone, colors by Ian Herring, and letters by Joe Caramagna. This is part four of four of the storyline called Teenage Wasteland, and for this entire storyline, Kamala has been missing. She's MIA. She is kind of, you know, she's not in the picture in Jersey City, and her crew, her friends, have kind of taken up the Miss Marvel mantle as a group. They're not superheroes. They kind of don't know what they're doing, but they're doing their best. At the end of last issue, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, showed up to lend them a useful hand, one that they needed very badly. Why I really, really enjoyed this issue, though, so much is because it kind of gets into Kamala's psyche a bit. We We find out why she's been missing, and it's a really interesting take on the pressures and the weights of of being a superhero, especially as a young person like Kamala. It's a theme that we've seen with uh, Spider-Man and Miles Morales and kind of questioning the, the position that they hold in this world as someone with so much responsibility to handle that. Plus, Captain Marvel coming in and playing this kind of big sister role was so great to see because, you know, as, of course, the former Ms. Marvel and the current Captain Marvel, there's a kinship there, and she's been there as well. I, I like that you say family, because it is. It's Or you, that you say sister, because it's, it's family, right? Yeah. And family is going to... They've had fights. They've been at each other at odds, but they're family, and they're going to get through it, and they're going to come together. It's like, I've, I know my family, and they hate each other for a while, or they love each other, and everybody comes... You know, it's like, yeah. that's the way it is. Yeah, yeah. That's life. So to to see that relationship here and to see just the just the there's some awesome action but just to see that discussion that takes place between those two heroes one of whom is you know this kind of grand cosmic level avenger giant hero one of which kind of takes the responsibility more on like the east coast mid-atlantic jersey jersey city end of things but to see the values that correspond from that ground level up to that cosmic level are so they're what the, you know these two characters are all about and they're 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 really what kind of the heart of like a young hero like Kamala can bring out. And it's it's really, really wonderful to see a story that really f- focuses on the heart of that uh, in, in such a big way. Yeah. 
is Jersey Mid Atlantic? Is that con- is that what I just always considered it Northeast? Uh, well, yes, I believe it might be. Yeah, Mid Atlantic. I don't know what would technically start the Northeast. In my mind, uh-huh. it would probably be like Connecticut is Northeast. So there's like a okay. So there's like a Venn diagram. One circle is Mid Atlantic, and that's just New Jersey. The <laughs> other circle is Northeast, and that's just Connecticut. In the middle, that would be tri-state area. And kind of, I guess, in that middle bit would also be New York. New York is definitely northeast, definitely tri-state area. I would never have considered it mid-Atlantic. <laughs> Even producer Brandon is he's looking at, oh, what do oh, we got? What do we got? Ooh, Give ooh, us, ooh. Read it, Tucker. Okay. He did the research. This is official. The mid-Atlantic, also called the middle-Atlantic states or the mid-Atlantic states, former region between the United States, generally located with the New, New England and the South Atlantic states. Exact definition differs upon source, but includes New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, Washington, D.C., Virginia, and West Virginia even. What? Wow. Whoa. (laughs) So, whatever. Whatever, Uh, indeed. Wow. I guess we'll agree to disagree. My my day's messed up now. (laughs) I don't don't know how to recover Uh, from that. Before we go off, Ms. Borville, the inventor has, you know, does all those funky stuff and these these experiments on animals and turns them into these giant monster things. G. Willow Wilson and Nicoleon create a basically a giant monster mech hybrid Voltron, mm-hmm. and it's so gnarly and weird. But I wanted to ask you, Tucker. Yeah, they're one of the creatures is the sassy. Is it a crocodile or an alligator? I I think it's a crocodile. Right, but I can't tell. I just thought it was lizard. Just, just a li- just a general lizard. <laughs> I thought it's yeah. neither. Just like, just like a big lizard. Just a big old lizard. Which, hey, look, I guess if we're really kind of, you know, breaking all rules of science, uh, you know, big, yeah, alligator, crocodile, they're just big lizards. I have a lot of issues <laughs> with what you just said, as someone who enjoys alligators and crocodiles. But we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna move alligator, on. alligator, crocodile defenders at me on Twitter. Bring yeah. it. I'm ready for this fight. Oh boy. <laughs> Next book is Runaways, number seven. It's written by Rainbow Ravel, art by Chris Anka, colors by Matt Wilson, and letters by Joe Caramagna. This is a new arc here for The Runaways, and it's really fun. I Early on before this arc started, Rainbow was talking a lot about getting the band back together, and that's what the, the, the early issues were all about. It's about bringing this family back together, kind of, mending those kind of wounds and you know seeing all the different relationship dynamics and where the the reunion will take them now that they're the group is back together and that they've gone through a lot in the first six issues we kind of get down to what i feel like is more kind of like this this really fun ground level like runaways like the runaways that that we all love and it's pure joy in so many ways one of my favorite panels of the week comes when uh, when Molly goes to school and she runs into her BFF Abigail. It's just against like white space, but it's you see essentially see Molly and Abigail's like secret handshake. Yeah, and it culminates with like a BFF, and it's so fun. It's, it is truly a joy to to see, and I love the collaboration there between Rainbow and and Chris to to just to bring that to life in such a fun way. And also, I, I know you you give credit, but Matt, it's Matt Wilson, right? Yeah. On color, yeah. And look at like the way he colors this struck me really strongly yeah. as well because he uses this 
sort of rainbow of colors. They, the characters change in between, you know, little uh, frame up of them. It, mm-hmm. It's like everything about it is so well thought out yeah. and choreographed and put together, but yet looks so seamless and fluid and fun and completely. Natural. We spoke earlier about Renew Your Vows, about perfectly capturing that team voice, and no one does it better than Rainbow Rowell. I mean, if you are looking for that kind of story, if you're looking for all the history baked into every page here, specifically as we go into later pages here with Carolina and Nico and kind of their relationship and their kind of friendship and all that that's been through, Rainbow just knows how to do it with the best of them. Totally. Yeah. I'll be honest. I'd be perfectly happy if this book was just like slice of life comics yeah, about completely. the runaways family. Like, completely. No villains, no superheroing. Like if that's what it was, I would be perfectly content because uh, that's what the bulk of this issue is. There's also yeah. obviously like the, the bigger things that are going on that they're going to have to deal with. But man, you know, you've got Julie power showing up. Mm-hmm. Makes me happy. She and Carolina are a bit of a power couple. Oh, yeah. See what I did? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So good. This also made me want in and out really badly because I haven't <laughs> had it in a while. And also to have Chris Anka design my wardrobe because he, he uh, he's incredible. Draws the greatest yeah. clothes. So great. Yeah. All right. Up next, we have Spider-Gwen number 30 written by Jason Latour. Art by Robbie Rodriguez. Colors by Rico Renzi. Letters by Clayton Cowles. And if you want value for your comic book buying dollars... This has it has three Gwens, two <laughs> Gwenums, two Watchers, two Morales Stacy children, and even some hot dogs. Oh. It's got all the things. <laughs> it's like, man, all the money you spend on comics, it's right here. Yeah. Value for your buck, and it's a good story. There's a, a, a really cool mechanic that runs through the issue about which Earth that our Spider Woman, our Gwen, is on. She mm. has sort of been shunted out of her Earth-65 reality, and we don't know where she is. And it seems really familiar, and it seems like it's set into the the past of our reality, but there's little things, and sort of throughout the, the course of the issue, it comes together where it is. And I cocked an eyebrow when I saw it, and mm. I, I ate it up. I thought it was pretty neat. Oh, yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Okay, folks, strap in, because it's rant time here. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> Hot take... Dude, we need we need a hot take sound effect. A hot take, Brandon. Turn on the microwave. He's it's hot take time with Star Wars number forty-five. It's written by Kieran Gillen, art by Salvador Larocca, colors by Guru EFX, letters by Clayton Cowles. Essentially, what's going on in this story arc is the rebels had a victory at Jeddah at the end of the last story arc. Now they're kind of in search of a new base of operations, which has led them to Mon Cala. Mon Cala is getting a lot of love in Star Wars books recently. Uh, most. I believe it was last week in in Darth Vader. So as Leia goes on that kind of search, the rest of the heroes are kind of regrouping and reteaming. But that's not what I want to talk about. No. What I want to talk about here is a little thing that I like to call milk. Why did you say it like that? Milk. Milk. Oh, yeah. It's going straight into Brandon's ears, and he hates it. This story is kind of bookended by Luke and Han and Chewie hanging out at the the mess hall where they run into Wedge. Uh, Wedge and Tilly shows up, and and, and Luke kind of has a nice time getting back to him, and they do kind of some saluting to uh, lost pilots and lost rebel heroes, but they do it all over some tall glasses of milk. And I love it. For the weirdest reasons, it kind of pointed out to me in a strange way, and I would love 
to talk to Kieran about why he focused in on milk so much because it's like, oh, I'll have one milk, please. And then at the end, it's like, you know what? I deserved a nice milk. But it, it like it kind of synthesized in a weird way. The Star Wars universe's strange focus on milk because it's like obviously blue milk in A New Hope. That was the intro. But then it's like it pops up in random places. Most recently in The Last Jedi, when Luke is kind of showing off how crazy he's gotten on the island. Oh, you're right. Uh, Yeah, there's milk talk everywhere in the Star Wars universe. And it's crazy and strange, but great at the same time. Milk stuff aside, there's really, really great stuff going on with Leia specifically and the kind of politics of the rebellion in here. We get even more seamlessly as we go along we get characters from Rogue One we get characters from Star Wars Rebels yeah the 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 Rebels thing was super cool yeah. like i don't i i don't know much about rebels but there's that big crowd shot where you see them pop up and i was like oh man that's neat yeah. like yeah. i love that kind yeah. of stuff it's so great to see all these th- things kind of w- just woven in so seamlessly but like i said you know for me it's all about the milk <laughs> i'm going to be real i'm not a huge luke guy yeah. like i like i like Last Jedi Luke mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, sort of end of Return of the Jedi Luke a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he's when he's whiny, I'm just like, yeah. uh, that's who. And that's what the Luke I think of when I think of Luke sure, first. But sure. here it's like a thoughtful, slightly emo, but strong hearted Luke, mm-hmm. which I like more. And I want and I think that's more akin to what the character is out to most people. Yes. And, and I'm, right. I, I like that that. That's where it brings me. Yeah. You talk about there's a lot of fun moments in here. Chewie has a great fake bounty hunter name. Yeah. Uh, I will not spoil it, but it's terrific. And it actually has one of my favorite couple of lines of the week. And it's, quote, optimism is good. We wouldn't be rebels if we weren't optimistic. We wouldn't have attacked the Death Star if I weren't optimistic. It's worth being occasionally pessimistic so we can continue to rebel, princess. And that is by uh, said by Jan Dodonna in this issue. And it. I relate to that yeah, is like so I'm good. generally a very optimistic person, but there are times when the pessimism, there's a need for it and there's a reason for it. It helps in the cycle of, mm-hmm. of the way you think. Mm-hmm. I just, I really dug that line, yeah, that conversation. Completely. And even Leia, the way it's written is Leia's like, yeah, no, you are right. And you could see her brain sort of spinning around. Right. That. Yeah, completely. So it was really good. Also, really good, and I was quite annoyed this was not one of your picks of the week. It is Star Wars Poe Dameron number 25 because this was right up there on the edge for me. It is written by Charles Soule, art by Angel Unzueta, and colors by Arif Prianto, letters by our boy Joe Caramagna. And man, there's so many things happening. And it's like the book starts out with Lor Santeca in a spacesuit floating basically recording his last thoughts being Mm -hmm. like well i'm gonna die out here yeah hopefully someone will get this recording and can learn something from me Mm -hmm. because i'm just a good dude who wants to pass on my knowledge right that's it yeah i just wanted to learn and share yeah and you you pan out and then there's a giant space fight and it's beautiful everything is crazy chaos Uh, the black squadron is fighting all the first order dudes it's a back and forth of will they get uh, lor santeco or not it's all these cool moments you've got great character beats between the members of the black squadron obviously you know snap and 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 different things been going on there's been relationship stuff and and all these things you've got a really cute moment between bb8 and ivy they're like essentially flirting in the midst of a battle and and poe is like dude buddy Eyes on the road, man. Yeah, we got yeah. we, We're in the middle of a fight. Let's do this. Uh, there's there's cleverness, like stuff that's been happening for for 
you know many issues is is paying off here and it it's it's really neat but there's a moment in the issue that just made my heart drop mm-hmm. i read the pages leading to it like mouth open heart racing because it was like super into it and it, it just hit me in the gut in part because of where my head and, and, and my heart are right now for things but also because it was just excellent comics and excellent star wars you know like those emotional moments i think of is it a new hope when obi-wan you know gets killed right and like this they scream and they look and it's just like this panic mm-hmm. and this sadness and this like what is happening i felt that you know mm-hmm. and then there's the aftermath of that and it's like that feeling of of who's left and, and who's going to pick up the pieces from that there's just sadness and and i had to hold back tears at my desk when i was mm-hmm. reading this today and it was really really well done obviously the big issue for black squadron good and bad there's big wins big losses but that's life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like I thought this was a really well-told story. Two years of this book. And I think, you know, it, it still surprises and delights and evokes emotions from me. And I think it's my favorite issue of the run so far. Yeah. Like that the issue right after uh, Carrie Fisher died, mm-hmm. where it was kind of it was about one of the Black Squadron, their funeral. But it was also kind of about right. Charles writing about. Carrie Fisher and, and Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. And it was really beautiful issue. This, I think, is even, for me, higher up than that. And it has my favorite two panels of the week. It's Laura Santeca and, and Poe talking about life and the universe and the force. And it's like two pages of it, really. But there's these two panels that it's, Laura says, it all seems so enormous, no? Immense, unending, but it's not. The trick is not to think about the void. Think about the lights. And it's the two of them, and they're looking up at the sky, at the vastness of space. Mm-hmm. And then they look it down to the their their base, and there's a, a celebration going on because there's joy. And, and I felt that that was so powerful mm-hmm. to me and smart in the in the light of this. And, like, the little bits we've gotten of Lor Santeca, I love yeah. the way he's written. In this completely, book. completely. Oh, man. Yeah, this this is the final issue of Poe's story pre The Force Awakens. Issue number 26 will pick up with the events of The Force Awakens and the unseen events that Poe goes through during The Force Awakens, which is going to be so, so cool to see, especially since we have all this built-in backstory of his relationship to Dolores Santeca and everything like that. But it's an incredible first 25 issues, and, uh, you know, I... I Look forward to, to to even more. But for me, issue number 25, I can sum it up in three words, and those are not enough milk. Anyway, <laughs> Tales of Suspense, number 103, is written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Travel Foreman, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, letters by Clayton Cowles. This is my pick of the week. This is Red Ledger, part four of five. It's the penultimate issue uh, of Tales of Suspense, which it, uh, I just want, like, I want this to be an ongoing series so badly. I think yeah. it's so good. But there, this issue is about Natasha and... It's kind of old school Black Widow in a really, really interesting way and it kind of deals with the fallout of Secret Empire and everything that's happened with her and where she's been since and where she is now. And it ties in in so many fascinating ways into the other three issues of Tales of Suspense so far. It's really interesting because it feels like the first three issues happened. Then this one is kind of out of space and time, and we're kind of analyzing those first three issues as well as Natasha's life over the last few months. And I feel like it's going to jump perfectly back into time for the final issue 
But that aside, I can't wait to talk about this more on This Week in Marvel. It is such a fun ride. Yeah, I, you, you thought I might have picked it, and it yeah. was up there for me. Uh, I wrote a, a bunch of notes about it that I do want to talk about. So we'll talk about that later in the week. And this was another book that I could have talked about on This Week in Marvel. Right here is Thanos number 17. Oh, yeah. It is written by Dangerous Donny Cates, art by Jeff Shaw, colors by Antonio Fabela, letters by Clayton Cowles. It's got this awesome cover by Shaw and Fabela. It's an homage to an old Incredible Hulk cover uh, where in this, the Infinity Gauntlet is pressing down on the Fallen. The Fallen is, a.k.a. the Silver Surfer, who has gone through some stuff. Yeah. And the first story page of this issue is incredible. It's a full splash page of the the Fallen lifting Mjolnir off of a, a some creature's face. Out at, like... <laughs> gory pulling it out of his face his surfboard is in the background surfboard but uh, completely disarming it. <laughs> you've got dead gods floating in space it's all this amazing stuff and then friggin donnie writes this here he says you have never heard of the surfers fall from the heavens his battle with gods you have never heard the tale of his redemption inside the shattered gates of asgard and you never will because once his war with the twin titans is over there will be no one left alive to tell it. And I was like, damn it, Donnie! I know. It's <sighs> it's insane. I, one of my notes for this week was, how does he make each issue of Thanos so huge? It's insane how he keeps the pace and the tempo and the stakes so high for every issue. Well, you've spoken about it before, how he knows so well how to to get that last page reveal, how to leave you hanging, how to leave you wanting more. And boy, does he do that here. But like he's done that every single issue and it's mind blowing. Yeah. It's it's mind blowing. And it's not even it's every three or four pages now. Yeah. It's yeah. like literally every three or four pages, something happens and you go, wait, what the crap? Yeah. Like you've got this opening scene and the fallen comes in and he's like, yeah, let's go. And he beats the crap out of the Thanos right away. And then boom, in comes Gosmic Ghost Rider. And then you get this giant, beautiful splash page and you're just like, wait. What? Yeah. What? What's happening? And, you know, you've got the Thanoses and they're just like, mm-mm, son, yeah. you ain't doing this. And they've got tricks up their sleeves. And then the Hulk comes out and it's horrible and violent and heartbreaking. Yeah. The moment where Silver Surfer realizes that it's been millions of years mm -hmm. and it's this friend. He used to be on the same team as him. He fought us alongside him. He thought him dead for millions of years. He just like, he quietly says, Bruce? Mm -hmm. And it's such a heartbreaking moment. And then Bruce is like, kill me, please. Please right. don't let me hurt anyone. You've got, it's it's like bing, bang, boom. And then, you know, you've got young Thanos and old Thanos and they're teaming up. And then the silent final battle mm -hmm. is ridiculous. It's incredible. It's super, super gory. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to be straight up with you. If you cannot handle viscera and, <laughs> and just... Things being chopped off and run through and blood everywhere. Yeah. This is not the issue for you, but it is a really good comic. Man, this is so good. Outstanding comics. It's satisfying, mm -hmm. I think, is, is also a word mm -hmm. I would use because I felt like, hey, we've we've gone through all these pieces. And as much as I didn't want this to happen or that to happen, I feel like it's all been earned yeah. in the story. Completely. And now and the last page of what the last page and the last words, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen yeah, next. Yeah. I don't. I literally have no idea how they're going to finish. Yeah, this. yeah. And my 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 other note for this issue, it was not. This was not a revelation. It was just my note this time. But 
is Jeff Shaw doing like the best work at Marvel Comics right now? I mean, out of nowhere, this is his first issue at Marvel, or first series at Marvel, and he is just crushing. He is destroying like Thanos himself. It is just so fun to read. Yeah, I think part of it is because Donnie and Jeff have worked together yeah, before. Yeah, and right. so when you see those pairings, a, a Bendis and a Bagley, mm-hmm. a Jeff Loeb and a Tim Sale, you know, mm-hmm. like those kinds of partnerships and, you know, being completely fair, Donnie and Jeff are not there yet. They don't have sure. those hundreds of issues, years and years of history, but that's the trajectory, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, you can see that they have that creative juice together mm-hmm. that is so special. It's magic. Yeah. My last book this week is Weapon H number one. It's written by Greg Pak, drawn by Corey Smith, colors by Maury Hollowell, letters by Joe Carmagna, and there's a B story as well that's written by Greg with art by Marcus Toe and Maury Hollowell. This is, of course, the Hulk Vereen. Hulk Vereen. Uh, it is the Hulk that went through the Weapon X program and has the claws and just insane healing factor and everything. I mean, it's just like metal comics to the max. So me- there's a scene in here where he cuts off, he's in human form and he cuts off his thumb, uh, his, his fingerprints yeah. and they grow right back. Right. Everything about that was so <laughs> disturbing. Yeah. We actually have an article up now over on Marvel.com about some retail exclusive variants for this. And there's some incredible stuff from Mike Diodato did one. Uh, I think there's four up there. So go check those out. Uh, Right now, there's some really, really awesome, just badass art there. But this series, this is starting off, I really like this protagonist's backstory. We're kind of, we're importing things uh, into this story. There is an, he's an ex-military Eagle Star contractor named Clay. He went rogue. And it's so fascinating because he's he like he doesn't have this cut and dry good guy bad guy backstory. It's kind of a mix of both, but at the same time, he's a family man and he loves his family and he just kind of wants to get back to them and get back to the normal life that he once had long ago. What I really really enjoyed about that kind of we've spoken about it with between Amadeus and the Hulk, between Banner and the Hulk in Thanos this week, but I really love the interpretation for Clay and how he tries to stave off the hulk and the hulk's power he tries to coach himself through these moments and you could tell that unlike amadeus unlike banner he is completely new to this and he really is unsettled by it so to see those moments where he tries to hold back where obviously you know he can't and you know he's not gonna because there's some crazy stuff that goes down in here it's a really interesting take on this uh this kind of classic transformative dynamic that we've seen for so long across marvel comics and and this is a really fun kind of dark interpretation of that heck yeah there has the wendigo in it which wendigo. shows up on the cover but i for some reason i missed it and i was reading the book and then a couple of pages and you get to a point where it, it's like ominous and this one guy's being a real creepster mm-hmm. and he pulls out some jerky for them to yeah, celebrate yeah, with yeah, yeah. and i was like wait where are they it's cold weather are they in canada oh i like i had this like you know when you watch a movie and they they pull the focus and right. like it's like the pan and yeah, i was yeah. like no yeah and yeah it's really gnarly wendigo and Corey smith gets to design like there's a different kind of wendigo here Corey's right. art on the main like the 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 first story in the book it's good when he's just you know people talking and hanging out and stuff but when he gets into the action mm-hmm. It, it's like it, the pages are moving. His right. art is so friggin' good. It's there's something about it that just 
it's so frenetic. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Man, it was really cool. Corey's great. All right, last issue of the week is X-Men Gold number 24. It is written by Mark Guggenheim, art by Tony Silas, color by Arif Prianto and Marcio Menez, and letters by Corey Petit. It's got the uh, this really great cover by David Nakayama that is a sort of a riff on Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how you say it, right? Orange? Yes. Yeah. And uh, it, angsty or orange, yeah, angsty orange. You got two stories in this issue. One of them is Kitty, Storm, and Rachel in prison, where they should not be, but they're showing their badasses even without powers. Great fight and action in there, and especially the moment. There's a moment with Storm at the end where I like, I felt like nervous yeah. for her. Yeah, I love, I love the. We'll just say it's like importing some classic character traits into the story, and I love it. Totally. Uh, and then there's another, the other sort of thread of the the book is the this X, the, our X Men team led by Iceman fighting the Shredded Man, who is an Inhuman baddie who was in Uncanny Avengers a couple years ago, who's actually also the grandfather of the Avenger Synapse. Mm. So cool connections to that story. Also, uh, fun fact: that's my nickname down at my local twenty uh, four hour gym. Yeah, Thanks. Shredded Man. Yes, that's Uh-oh. right. Oh, <laughs> look at him walking in. Uh, yeah, I work out. No, just kidding. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> uh, and the the X-Men use their teamwork and their compassion to win the day, which is always nice to yeah, see. Like yeah, yeah. It's not all punching, punching, punching. There's like a level of, hey, we, we can talk this through. Mm-hmm. They use a lot of smarts to finish it. Two other things that are out this week, two issues of True Believers, $1 comics. Those will get you Venom Dark Origin, number one, and Venom Flashpoint, number one. Each a dollar a piece. You can't go wrong. You can't. And that's all the comics for this week. Next up, looking at collections on sale this week, we have Avengers Omnibus Volume 3 in hardcover, Generation X Volume 3 Survival of the Fittest Trade Paperback, Iron Fist Volume 2 Sabretooth Round 2 Trade Paperback, Marvel Masterworks Kazar Volume 2 in hardcover, Marvel Masterworks Marvel 2-in-1 Volume 3 in hardcover, Marvel's Avengers Infinity War Prelude in trade paperback, Spider-Man 2 in trade paperback, Star Wars Legends Epic Collection, The Clone Wars in trade paperback, X-Men Blue Volume 0 Reunion in trade paperback, and X-Men Blue Volume 3 Cross Time Capers in trade paperback. Terrific. I'm so impressed how quickly and easily you got through all of those That's right. collections. Like, there's were... some tongue twisters up in there. It's all the milk. <laughs> Makes it thick. <laughs> thick milk. Yep. All right. Also on sale on the Marvel app this week, uh, there's a bunch of books. I wanted to call out Spidey and the Mini Marvels. Number one, super cute comics. Chris Giarusso just used to do these these little sort of kind of like a mix between Peanuts and Marvel. Hmm. And they had super deformed versions of the Marvel characters. Those are great. That's now on the Marvel app along with a bunch of other books. Digital collections on sale this week. All the books that we've talked about that came out in print as well as a couple that are just added to the digital slate this week. One of them I wanted to point out is Vampire Tales Volume 1 which is another of those rad 70s magazines. Vampire Tales and it has articles and really cool horror stories. So Morbius and Blade and really neat stuff. It was all black and white. They were oversized. They're very 
weird, cool snapshot into, you know, basically 70s pop culture. Nice. So that's what it was. Yeah, so you awesome. get that collection on the app this week. It's also all those issues are also available on Marvel Unlimited. We did add a bunch of stuff to Marvel Unlimited this week, including Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer's Supreme Number 12, one of my all-time favorite series. Mm-hmm. You should you can now read the whole thing, and it is great. It'll make your life better. It'll make you stronger. Everything about it will help you in life. And then the last half of Strike Force Moratory is that it issues 14 through 31. Got art by a young baby Mark Bagley, as well as Wills Portacio and more. You can now read the whole series on Marvel Unlimited. It was a favorite of one Mr. Ben Morse. He I, he tweeted about it today, and he was he was asking DC Comics editor Brian Cunningham, who we both used to work with at Wizard Magazine, if I or Brian turned him on a Strike Force moratorium. And I think it was Brian, because I think I got turned on a Strike Force. Right by someone at Wizard. Right. It's just really cool, ahead of its time book. And then those last issues have Mark Bagley art before anybody knew what he was. Like, mm-hmm. This is over 30 years ago. Wow. It's so cool. Wow. Great comics. Check those out, of course, for the full list of all the stuff on the Marvel app and on Marvel Unlimited. You could check out the show notes or the link on marvel.com. We'll put all those details up in there. Up in there? Up in there. Yeah. For you. And then we'll be back in a couple of days with This Week in Marvel proper to talk about a couple of our favorite picks. All the news, all the good stuff. Maybe talk about all the pizza we love. Ooh, yeah, putting that on the on what's, the to do list. Tell me, tell me, boss, what what's on it? What's on top of a pizza? Hey, we got to save this for this week in Marvel. This is gold, Tucker. <laughs> this is Marvel, your universe, milk. Oh. <laughs>